0: back to episode 14 of pk's place i hope everyone's having a great week so far hope you had a good weekend uh don't if you're watching on youtube please uh, please don't mind uh what's on my tv i was just jamming out to some music um uh, especially khalid um probably many of you have heard that song young dumb broke it's great i love it um just a, just a few updates in my life um i went to I had a few things happened in the last week. I, I went and saw the new Marvel movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you do. It was very entertaining. It was refreshing too, because the fight style wasn't just, it was hand to hand, but it wasn't just like punching and kicking. It was more of a martial arts style. And I really appreciated that. Also the action. I mean, oh my goodness. It was actually really, really well shot. There were a few takes where, there was like all this furious cutting back and forth, which can be rather annoying. So the fact that a lot of them were these drawn out takes, I'm like, I like this. This is good. This is good. Um, Simi Liu is really good in the role of Shang-Chi. And overall, yeah, it's just an entertaining watch. So I recommend you go see that. And then this past Wednesday, which is also the day I recorded uh, the interview with our guest today. I'll get to that in a little bit. I had the chance to go to see Machine Gun Kelly live in concert. And I'm not afraid to say this. I went by myself. I had no one really in mind to go with when I, when I bought the ticket. But you know what? I think that's okay. I think we should normalize people going to things by themselves. Like if you want to go to a nice restaurant by yourself, do it. You want to go to the movies by yourself, do it. Concert by yourself, sporting event, do it. If you want to do it, you should. I think that there is a stigma around if you do something just by yourself that you're lonely. I don't necessarily think that's the case, to be honest. I I I had a really good time there. I thought it was awesome. Machine Gun Kelly's an amazing, he's amazing. Not only when you listen to him on Apple Music, Spotify, any of those streaming services, but he was really cool in concert. It was, it was a lot of fun, especially when he performed songs like Misery Business and Bloody Valentine to Finish. Unbelievable. Really good. Um, and with that being said, today's interview is—it was a fun one. It was fun chatting with this person again. It is uh, trainer Ryan Lauderdale, who is more commonly known as Rypen Fitness. Awesome interview. We chatted for well over an hour. Ripen's an awesome guy. A lot of a lot of good insight into training and what goes into it. So I think everyone's gonna enjoy it. And let's actually. Send it over to Ryan Lauderdale. Okay, so our next guest is a strength coach, and he is a Nike master trainer. Those that know him know him as Ripe Fitness. It is Ryan Lauderdale. What's going on, Right
1: What up, what up? Don't be
0: good. Uh, not much. Just uh, doing my thing. Um, so the first question I had for you was, so it's no secret you've known uh, our boy Brennan Brisson for a number of years now, and you've become close with him. I'm curious to know how did that relationship start, and how have you seen him grow over the years?
1: Uh, well, it started through uh, his dad, Pat. Uh, I knew Pat before knowing B. Um, Pat saw skill that I had, wanted to, be, to train with me early on. Uh, and, I mean, B and I have been uh, just cultivating our our trainer, you know, athlete. You know, now is more than that. You know, friendship uh, since he was about. 14 and uh it's been uh great to see his development as as an athlete uh more so as a as a young man uh and now uh getting into very soon uh the professional ranks um being that he was drafted with now she's it was like two draft classes ago now he's flying Mm -hmm. by with COVID and everything uh but it's uh great to be a part of the process and see the development you know of uh, not just a person and like I just talked about, but also like those other things, you know, when people see, uh, you know, when when I hear, you know, straight from, you know, the scouts or, you know, other people that are close to uh B as far as things that we need to work on. And then we work on those things and other people are like, wow, we can see that change in the development in him and, and you know, those things that we thought might have been missing with them, but we see that it, it's there and he has that within uh within his game now uh to to special thing for me to uh to see that
0: yeah for sure and I and correct me if I'm wrong anyone that does not know so the draft uh in 2020 when Brendan got drafted was virtual due to the pandemic and so you had all these players that were drafted they were at their home and there would be a camera that would take them into that view and Ry was lucky enough to actually fly out from LA and go to Ann Arbor Michigan where Brendan plays at Michigan and actually be there how is it What did it mean to you to actually get to be there in that uh, key moment for Brendan?
1: Man, it was a special thing. Uh, I think it was a special thing for anyone that follows professional athletics and, you know, draft day. Everyone knows uh, how big that is and how big of a special moment that is. And, you know, we were all a little bit I think the world was was bummed, you know what I mean, and kind of let down because of COVID, but understanding because of what COVID has done to the world and its impact on the world, uh, we couldn't be there live and in person. Uh, and and then also, I had to step back, take a step back and and look at it and say, like, wow, had it not been for COVID, there would have only been a very short amount of tickets available for, you know, immediate family to be there in attendance had it been on the big stage where you so used to seeing uh, with the NHL draft. Uh, and I wouldn't have been able to be there. And so for me, because of everything that had transpired, uh, I was able to be there for, for me, for the fam, for, to support, and to to be there and, uh, you know, and, and experience that with them. So it was an extremely, uh, extremely special thing to be a part of.
0: Yeah, for sure. And obviously, uh, if you see the video, uh, Rypen goes after, after Jordy, who you also trained Jordy, um, <laughs> tell everyone at home, what's it like having, uh, both of them in, in the gym? Because I talked about this, I think last episode with Quinn was that sometimes when both of them are in the gym at the same time, it can kind of be chaos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? That's why just about any brother dynamic, it can it can be like that. <laughs> but, but the thing is, they're both highly competitive. Uh, they both are very, very, uh, you know, A-type, you know, very, like, driven competitors, and they feed off each other as well. So, like, that's one thing that if anybody's, like, in the gym around them at the same time, that's what they're seeing. They're seeing them both feed off each other. And really right now, it's just Jordy feeding off it way more uh, than B, And I'm saying that B doesn't feed off of, like, Jordy doing well and and putting the numbers in the gym and, and having success. But Jordy, uh, you know, he wants to go and improve himself and to show that, hey, he's not the little brother. Know me as, you know, Jordy or Jordan Brisson and what I do on the ice. And that's what we talk about all the time. It's part of the right away is putting numbers on the board. And so, you know, that's what's about, showing why you belong and, and honestly putting, putting the full – uh, piece together, you know, we're in the gym training. You know, we do stuff on the field. We go to the same, We go out, We do all these things in order to improve uh, improve performance. And so, at the end of the day, we want to see that. We want to see that improve. Uh, and you got to show.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, I think that sibling rivalry is actually rather healthy, and I think it's good that they're pushing each other because then other guys that are in the gym it'll push them as well.
1: Yeah, I think everybody feeds off each other. you know, as far as uh, that. Competitive dynamic uh, within the gym or on the ice, especially like summertime skates and, and everything that we do. And I, I, you know, as a former athlete, uh, I've seen that that is the best environment to want to be in. Uh, when I take from like the football world and I look at those teams that are the best, let's say in the collegiate ranks, those teams that are the best, they're the best because they get the best athletes because they compete every day. Uh, If you look and if you listen to what Nick Saban talks about, what Nick Nick Saban preaches, or even back in the day, uh, in the glory days for USC when Coach Carroll was here, uh, they talked about competing and they want players and athletes that are there to compete. And so that's why I think that Alabama has been so successful. And they've had up to like five first round, you know, in, uh, running back draft picks in, in the same locker room, you know, and it, it's just very rare to get that, you know, to have a first or, four, uh, first or third rounders all on the same team, all fighting for the same spot for the same playing time but they're there because they want to be with the best and amongst the best. And so uh, I think that's the uh, the special thing. And I've seen that within uh, training environments and training gyms all around the facility, uh, performance facilities these uh, all around the nation uh, where guys want to be where other guys are going to be there, where they're going to push them. You know, it doesn't have to be the same sport. It can be multi-sports, you know, football players don't mind training run with hockey guys or training with whomever, uh, you know, especially if they know they're the best. They're like, all right, let's go. This person's going to push me to be my best today. was going to help me to be the best when it, when it matters.
0: Yeah. I think that's really well said. And even going back to Alabama football, I think another thing that helps is obviously they're recruiting these great athletes and since Saban's been there and has built up that program it's 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 made his job a lot easier because part of the pitch is you're gonna you want to come here you're gonna win or if you want to be here you got to want to win at all costs and I mean we've seen how successful they've been and even like you said I think it was last year's draft they had I think they had six total players drafted in the first round and it was pure dominance, and that's why you saw them win the national championship, kind of running away with it against Ohio State as they did because of guys like Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, who are just tremendous athletes.
1: I think if you talk to Coach Saban, he wouldn't say it's easy or easy. No, no, no. I think Coach Saban would say it makes it even harder because you got to show up every year. It's very hard to be at the top for that long. You know, it's um it's 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 easier to uh to take down the person on the top when the target's not on your back, right? Mm-hmm. But the target's on your back for a decade plus, like Alabama, like Sabin, uh it's easy to, to get comfortable and fall off. And so Saban and staff, they have to do things every year to to not just revamp because they lose coaches, just like they they did with Sark, he left and he's in mm-hmm. Texas, they lost. Uh uh, many great coaches throughout the year that are at other universities, such as, you know, Ole Miss and many other great schools uh, around the nation. Uh, so they got to replace them. <laughs> yep. So uh, It makes it I think uh, I think the saving would say it makes it even harder for, for him each year. And then also trying to convince parents and, and, and athletes that that's the place where they need to be. They're going to get them ready for the league and they're going to have that opportunity to show up and, and, and show why they should be that, you know, first to third round uh, draft pick or just an NFL draft pick period.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a good answer. And I think uh, this is another um, comparison that can be made. And I think it's pretty well known why I'm going to make the comparison because these two know each other very well and coach very well. But uh, Saban's Saban's run at Alabama is very Belichickian with the Patriots. And I know the Patriots are. They had a rebuilding year last year, and uh, they're only they're 0 and 1. We don't know how they're going to turn out this year. But it's very similar in the fact that they are both very smart coaches, and that they both have been able to get the most out of their players. And and yeah, I think if there's any coach who's as good at, who's as good at their job of developing guys for the league, I would say Saban is. I would say he's probably. I would say he's number one on my list, if not top five.
1: I would say that there's no coincidence with that. No, uh, absolutely not. Sabin and Belichick—it's well known now because they had, a, uh, I think, an HBO special or Showtime. Right? They do. Yep, uh, HBO, they, they, where they talk every year and they talk—they just talk football and they just talk shop. All right, so within that, that's no coincidence because they've been doing that since they were on the same coaching staff with the Browns, mm-hmm. right? And then. You know them. Them both going off and and finding their 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 own, cementing themselves uh, within the the legacy of football in both arenas. You know, whether it be NCAA uh, and the NFL. Uh, But I think there there's a deeper connection for them, and I think it goes back to national pride, right? With them both being of like Croatian descent, and so. I think uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things there that has them tied to each other, that has created this, this bond, and football was helped to, you know, solidify that bond, their love for it, their passion for it, and then their passion for winning, and then also player development. I think when you, when you look at any professional sport, it's more about, like, player development, how you can get the most out of the player. And I think when you look at college athletes, uh, especially college coaches, It's uh, like, it's a mixture of personal development, right? How can I turn this like boy into a young man? And then also you have to develop them as an athlete on the field or on the ice or wherever they're on the track uh, so that you're, you're seeing them getting better year in and year out. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing that's interesting, I don't know if you heard about this, but one of the Alabama quarterbacks, because of the new uh, name image likeness rules, he's already made a million dollars before he's even played a game with Alabama. So that's also another thing that's changing the game for the recruiting that some schools are going to offer you more money with name image likeness. Other schools like Texas are taking a harder stance where they aren't necessarily allowing their players to get that money because obviously it's no secret. Not every, not every college athlete is going to go, go play pro uh, pro sport. So if they can make as much money as they can while they're in college, it doesn't hurt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great thing. I'm, I'm a little bit more, like, I guess, partial to that, what you just said, because, first of all, you talked about but Bryce, and he's a California kid, and mm-hmm. so, like, any Cali kid I want to see do great. <laughs> it's not that yeah. I have anything in other states, but anyone that's come from the West Coast, I want them to the ball out. That's also my uh, my young cousin's godbrother. She's out there right now at the University of Alabama uh, getting her master's, and so, like, I want him to do well. So it's like, all right, yeah, make your money, man. <laughs> The thing, and I think that's one thing where a lot of people were, I think, fooling themselves when they said that hey, collegiate athletes can make money. I think a lot of people were like, Oh, we're all, we're all making money. No, you're not all making money like that. It was it was never meant to be a fair playing field, and I think maybe in the future, that might be one of those things that athletes will start fighting for down the line. But right now, it's going to run its course, and by the way, you're going to see more and more athletes make a lot of money and from, you know, the large universities like Alabama or even other uh, maybe universities you might not know of uh, at the HBCU level, I think was a masterpiece son. I think signed the deal was rivaling that of uh, uh, the one at Alabama. And I think it was maybe close to middle or something like that. And so, you know, you see a lot more, you know, barstool athletes and everything else and i think there's a lot of people are still trying to figure out the the lay of the land and what it means to be let's say a barstool athlete or signed with someone Uh, i think at the end of the day uh, what the way i see it is just more of athletes are being ushered into like the business world the world of like social marketing and business as a whole like and the mm. more they can do right now to understand their image and their likeness and, and, you know, at the end of the day, how they're going to profit off of it is if they're winning. And that's mm. the real world and that's business. Like, all right, how do you get more playing time? All right, be the best. Yeah, <laughs> Don't be be available. You know what I mean? It's just like, mm. it's, it's some basic things. Uh, but, you know, obviously it gets a little more uh, advanced and complicated, but I think it's a great thing. It's something that, Guys have been fighting for for a long time. Guys have been thinking about, it, but never thought it was possible. Uh, when I say guys, I mean guys and girls, uh, men and women. Uh, fighting for, it, never thought it was possible. And so, uh, I think it's a great thing. I don't think people should complain about it. People just get on the field, ball out, put up your number, put numbers on the board, and the money would be there.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, no, that's that's perfect. And I guess the follow-up question, similar to that. Uh, in a local case, do you think Reggie Bush should be giving his Heisman back?
1: Yeah, they should have never taken his Heisman. What? It was crazy. I think Mm -hmm. it was ridiculous uh, for anyone that was not not around or not alive in that time. uh, Reggie Bush, in my opinion, was the, hands down, the best college football player that year. He was that amazing. He was that electrifying. He did things that no one else was doing. He did things that people did did not do before. And I also think that Reggie was just a little bit before his time when he came to the NFL. Uh, I think that Reggie's game translates into the way the game is played now. And and that skill set that he had then could be way, way better utilized now in the game that we have today. Back then, there was complaining that Reggie wasn't a, a three down back. You know, he you know, doesn't want to Kick the ball, you know, in powers and he just won sweeps and, and catching the ball in the flat. And it's like, no, like that that was part of his game. But I think also they just didn't know how to at the time best utilize his skill set and his game. But uh, they should never touch his heisman. Uh I think he's getting it back. And so I'm glad he's getting it back. Uh nice guy, one of the best like college football athletes um, of all time. And uh yeah. You got any more questions? <laughs> Reggie Bush, I, I, I just think he's one of the best college athletes of all time. And I'm still uh, kind of salty that Vince Young beat uh, USC in that uh, was that national championship. And uh, mm-hmm. whew, I think anybody's a, a SoCal football fan, especially if you're an SE football fan or a follower, I think you're still salty. that.
0: Yeah. And the thing also with Reggie Bush, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was he got what was it? Three hundred thousand under the table. Um around his time of playing and especially with how the rules are now, I don't see why they can't just give it back to him. I mean, what is it? What does it matter? It's not to get, this is a greater, uh, um, a greater issue. We're not going to dive into, but it's similar with all the people that are still in jail for marijuana related crimes. When in a lot of states, especially California, marijuana is legal. It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I think red. I think Reggie should have his Heisman back.
1: Yeah, no, there are some similarities. Uh, the difference is, obviously, we're talking about like football and the other stuff we're talking about like, you know, you know lower level crimes and or how the, uh, the government classifies that. But uh, there, there's still similarities, I think, in the classification for the stuff we're talking about, like, you know, you know, marijuana possession, especially small marijuana possession, that there's just a longer process in order to go through it and retroactively correct past wrongs. I uh, with the Bush situation, this is more about an admission of fault and guilt and like, all right, this happened, things have changed, we should have never taken your hat in the first place because you won that outright and it really had no reflection on what you did for college football at the time. Uh, We've already penalized the university, we penalized you. Give me- getting the, the trophy back. Like, that's that's it and that's all. Like, all right, let's move forward. Let this, let's have a party and celebration for it. And let's move forward because that's no longer a place in, in which we operate anymore. We see things differently now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The world is constantly changing, and I, I do agree with what you said. And even transitioning still with football, you're a former football player yourself. I'm curious, who who would you say your player comp, uh, player comparison was when you played?
1: Well, I'll tell you who I wanted to be like back in the day. Let's it hear
0: it. Peter Ward. Okay. Peter Ward. PW Peter Ward.
1: man. I wore number nine. He wore number nine. He wasn't like the tallest wide wideout. We were about the same height, but he was just like so explosive. And the way he ran his routes, he just attacked everything. And uh he just he would just win that, win the day. He would just win that battle and go out to battle every time. There were other like, uh, SoCal wardouts. I took a lot from um, T.J. uh Steve Smith, uh, uh, Chad Johnson, or Chad Ocho Cinco. Uh, Ocho yeah. So he's a he's a Florida boy. But I just love the way he like played the game. He played the game with so much passion. And then my my all time uh, favorite is uh, Jerry Rice, and just the way that Jerry Rice approached the game and how he approached training for it and his commitment to the to his craft, I think for me was like one of those one of those things that I noticed like early on, and it uh, really really inspired me to want to be a wide out and then to like to push and to do more.
0: Yeah, those are all really good players. I mean, like we talk about best wide receivers of all time, Jerry Rice is on that list, and Ocho Cinco. I wanted to say the thing for me about him that's funny is. Not only I love, I love his personality first, but second, uh, like I think he, could, he still could have been playing in the league. I think if he took care of his habits a little bit. Like, obviously, you hear the stories how he'd be like, oh, I ate like three Big Macs or he, had a bun- he didn't really eat the best food, but he was he was incredible. And what was surprising to me was he actually played, a, I think it was in one of the Super Bowls against the Giants with New England. And I, I saw that come up somewhere and I was like, he played for the Patriots? I had no idea.
1: <laughs> i think well speaking on chad's like eating habits i think he was just such a genetic freak
0: that,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas it would have affected most of us you know it would have slowed most of us down with his, you know his uh proclaimed eating habits of going to fast food chains and grubbing out uh i don't know how often he was doing that but he was doing it every day but uh i think it would affect the majority of us and had i mean i don't i couldn't exactly what but there are just some genetic freaks to where it affects them a little bit less than the rest of the population also don't I also think that yeah for sure he could have kept playing I think that uh he he still had it but you know the the league you're talking about any league things just change things change the league move forward moves forward organizations change coaches and what they're looking for is for what they're identifying positionally what they think needs, they think the organization needs at that time to, to move forward, to be competitive, to win a Super Bowl, to win a cup, or to win, you know, an NBA title. Like, everything changes. So it's not it's not just clear-cut. Like, oh, this guy's been the guy for, for 10 years, and so he should just get a job. I'm like, yeah, but no. You know, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot that goes on. And then, like, interpersonally, You know what I mean? Like, how will you get along with, you know, staff organization? Are you a locker room guy? Like, there's there's all these things that play into it. There's a lot of guys at home right now wishing they were going into camp, you know, know, for the NHL or guys right now sitting at home wishing that they were going to get a call for the NFL or, you know, get a call to go into even the D League for the NBA. And what they're not. And there, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. I'm not saying that it's like their fault or, you know, just someone else's fault. There's a lot of different reasons, but uh was going back to Ocho Cinco. I still think he had, he had a couple more years left, uh, but you know, there's a, there's a lot to it. It's, it's more than just a uh, black and white on why somebody's not playing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of factors that for sure go into it and, yeah. He, I think he also was, was big, especially with his personality, like even on hard knocks uh, he was on hard knocks and he was obviously a fan favorite there for whenever he was, whenever he was miked up. And just like, even if you can, everyone should look this up, like Ocho oh, Cinco mic'd up. He's got some of the funniest sound bites. Like there was one game he was like, I think he was like, if this guy um, denies me the ball at any time in the game, whether it's like two, like two man coverage, like whatever it is, he's like, I'll give you my game check to the coach. Like, I don't know. Not not, not many people would say that, but it's just how Ocho Cinco was. This is personality. (laughs) No, no. No. And and he's not a wide receiver, but it reminds me of um, a quote from uh, Coach Prime, uh, Deion Sanders, where he goes, you know, he's basically said, um, if you're playing against, um, if you're in Florida State um, and you're playing on my side, well, you're going to be hearing the band playing (laughs) because I'm going the other way with it.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yes, was one of those guys that he backed it up every time. So that's mm-hmm. why he's prime. Like you know, he got that nickname because he was, and obviously still is, prime. Coach Prime is prime time. He's doing a great job down at, at uh Jackson State, and uh, you know, it's like one of those things that you know, I can you can still look to to, to Coach Prime and and find so much uh, so much inspiration and uh, you know admiration for what he's done and what he's still doing it's hard to be relevant that long it's hard to be on top for that long and to be you know be the best for that long because when you got the target on your back people are coming for you
0: yeah you have to truly be ready to go day in and day out and I'm someone I'm rooting for I'm hoping Jackson State does well I hope he does really well and I know there's a documentary uh that they made um with Barstool about him at uh Jackson State so I look forward to watching that so is there anyone uh current day in the NFL? folks? I know it's uh we're going into week two. Week one just happened. Uh, who do you like watching like player-wise in the NFL today?
1: Oh my gosh, like there's so many people. Like, where do I start? Let's, do go I go start? Let's go wide receivers. Let's go
0: because your position, you're a wide receiver.
1: No, I'm gonna start with quarterbacks.
0: Okay, that's <laughs> fair. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Kyler Murray. Uh I mean, obviously. You got the 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 man himself in Kansas City. Like how can you not? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you got the, the former MVP in Green Bay. How can you not? Uh I mean, the bad man. Russell. Yeah, I mean <laughs> uh bad man. Uh you got you got Russell, like there's there's so many really good quarterbacks. I'm really interested in seeing how the season goes for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm really interested in seeing who actually picks up Cam Newton. I, I'd said it before week one, especially uh, when the Patriots let go of Cam. I was like, well, I think the more, most likely team to consider him is Washington.
0: because mm-hmm.
1: Riverboat was a former coach. Uh, and then obviously what happened after week one
0: uh, with Fitz getting hurt. Yeah.
1: Down. Yeah. That was sad to see, but you know, it's, it's, it's a next man up kind of league. And so, there's that, uh, uh, New England, and seeing that situation, I think that they got their guy. I think they knew when they drafted him, he was their prototype of a guy. And there's nothing that you know, not taking away from Cam at all. I still think that Cam can be uh, a true number one in the NFL of leading the team into the playoffs and, and, and you know, getting back to, you know, deep in the playoffs. I think he, he has it. I think that just that offense in a way was set up. And the way that they're used to operating with their systems, I don't I don't know if that was the best fit for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that I think that Washington, with the with the good amount of defensive players that have over there, and what they've
0: been building. Like- okay, PK here. So this this hasn't happened before, where I've actually had to jump in, mid interview like this. But I just wanted to let uh, everyone know that while I was recording this interview with Ryan. Uh, I was having some Wi-Fi troubles. It kicked us off a few times of the call. So if there's points where the conversation starts at one point, but then it'll cut to something different, just, just bear with me that it was technical difficulties. Now let's get back to Ryan Lauderdale. Yeah. So we were talking about quarterbacks and Kyler Murray is interesting to me because like, I think, I think he does a lot of things. Well, obviously he's very mobile and, Honestly, if I were to take – if you said who would you rather have, Kyler or Lamar, I think I might take Kyler just because I think he can throw the ball a little better than Lamar. But a lot of people I know would disagree with me on that. Yeah, I would
1: disagree with you on that one. I think that – I think Lamar has a cannon. I think he can be really accurate. He's shown that he can be accurate at the highest level in the NFL. You don't become an MVP just because you can run and just throw the long ball. I think that maybe – Lamar might be putting a lot of pressure on himself, because he's a winner, he's always been a winner, and people are expecting them to basically uh, like get over the hump, and as far as getting into the Super Bowl and then winning the Super Bowl, and so I think he just might be feeling that pressure, and uh, just, you know, and sometimes when you feel the pressure, you do a little bit, maybe too much, some might describe it as, and so, I still have a lot of confidence in Lamar Jackson, and And you can see that in the way he moves and the way he prepares for every Sunday or Monday or whatever game uh, they're going to play during the week. And, uh, yeah, I have a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah. And I think the one thing that's unfortunate also is that I feel like Lamar is compared a lot with Patrick Mahomes, or at least it's always Lamar versus Mahomes. And I know people hold it against him that he hasn't beaten them yet. And we'll obviously see this Sunday because Sunday night football is – Uh, Chiefs at Ravens so that'll be another test but yeah I feel like those two are always kind of inextricably linked together
1: I think they're linked together because they're both winners and they've been (laughs) winning at a high clip in the NFL Mm -hmm. Uh, but their game is just totally different Uh, their, their style of play is totally different I mean I don't think anybody can compare to Patrick Mahomes throwing angle. Like it's just like unseen. It's it's. <laughs> I would say it's one of those things that you you can't really train for. But if you look at what uh, what he and uh, Bob Stroop do, they preparing for everything down there at uh, APEC uh, or wherever. I think uh, Bob Stroop just moved to uh, Kansas City uh, to be there closer uh, to Patrick and the team. And so uh, I think it's kind of like one of those things that when <laughs> when I was younger, at least. Where uh, coaches there, you know, when you would shoot the craziest shots, you're like, What are you doing? Like, you're, not, you're never going to shoot that in the game. And it's like now, you're like, You watch Steph Curry, you watch all these other guys, and I mean, they're throwing up the most ridiculous shots you've ever seen. They're all going in. Uh, but a lot of it is because they prepare for it, because they have the strength, because they have the range, because there's such a threat on wherever they're at. The defender has to respect everything they do, which Puts the which delays the defender in their in uh, their attack and the defense and so yeah he's a very very special person to watch
0: he really yeah he really is and I think what's interesting too is I know there's a lot of pressure on obviously young players in the league now to basically come out of their draft and to be successful but what people I feel like are forgetting is Mahomes sat a year behind Alex Smith and he learned a lot obviously in that year sitting behind him and. So that's when he then took over is when then you saw like, oh, shit, this guy can actually ball. So I think that's lost on a lot of uh, young guys today in the league. That it's like you have to produce yeah. right then, right now.
1: Mahomes sat. Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre, uh, you know, Tom Brady sat. Uh, I think, behind Bledsoe. Yep. Uh, and like the list goes on and on as far as the greats that are currently in the NFL. You know, <clears throat> remember like Drew Brees didn't like they he got shipped out of San Diego and people thought his career was done. And so like, you know, sitting or you know, you know, playing from behind, kind of like being the underdog and getting a second chance. <clears throat> I think it's more of the, the mindset. And I think that's the biggest difference between between what you got uh, what we see from the guys at the very top, uh, is the the mindset of kind of like know how they handle adversity you know and because everyone handles it differently i'm not going to say one way is necessarily better than the others i'm just going to say well i might look more to the people that are doing it at a high clip winning a high clip and seeing how they're handling the adversity and what type of adversity they're handling
0: yeah absolutely and so for you as someone who works with a lot of younger players and even obviously athletes I guess even of all ages what for anyone at home what is some advice that you have to obviously help them out um to become more of a functional athlete or even just obviously just become uh, better you know kind of with habits day in and day out
1: yeah I think uh there is uh, a hot topic uh, that's going around in the sports world and uh just kind of like pop culture it is um you know mental mental health um uh, and so whereas i'm not going to go down the pathway of telling everyone this that and the other about mental health because i am not a mental health specialist i will tell you though that what's being said now isn't anything new in the way that i see it, right when i was younger i used to hear a lot oh sports is 90% mental or 80% mental. And then that other 10 or 20% is the physical, right? When I was younger, I was like, what? Like how, like, do you see the guys in the NFL? Like, these guys are massive. Like, no, that's physical right there. Uh, and whereas like, that is physical. But the thing is, you know, when you make it to the highest level, everyone's strong. Everyone's fast. Everyone's smart, right? There still might be some people a little bit faster. There still might be some people a little bit smarter, a little bit stronger. little bit bigger but it's all the other stuff that happens when you're a professional athlete right like what's happening at home with your family you know contracts relationships with your agents uh you know all the other stuff right now like trolls on social media and everything else all these things can affect you can affect your perception of yourself your perception of your gameplay or honestly even like it can affect break your 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 nervous system, right? Because if if I'm so far in my head and I'm so ramped up and I always my journal is going because I keep thinking about this one person is making me mad and I don't even know this person because it's troll on the internet and I'm pissed off all the time. That can affect the way I sleep, can affect my recovery, which affects my gameplay. And if it affects my gameplay, then it affects my paycheck. I might not be getting bonuses. I might not make certain plays. i mean, you know and then now I'm in a hole. And then now I'm just so I'm such a head case where it, you, you might be unconsolable, you might be, you know, hard to coach, you might be, you know, off in a meeting, you might be, you know, like disengaged and all those things can it's just a snowball effect. And so, yes, mental, but, you know, it's just more of like going further into what that actually means, because there's a lot of things can affect, that can affect, you know, one's mental state. Uh, but, you know, in, in talking about like uh, young athletes and developing young athletes, I would say give me some time. man. A lot of people want it now. Um, I understand, you know, in the social media world we live in, now, a lot of people get what they want now as far as like followers or fame, or money and, you know, other possessions and, and other things and experiences, I would say giving yourself time will be one of the best things I've learned because just think about America and where we're at now. And, you know, the reason why we love to be American and be in America is because of all that we have access to, uh, you know, America's the, the, the land of the free in the home of the brave and there's just things that we don't have to worry about uh, the same way that they do in other countries and other places in the world and, and that took time right there you know and I won't go into the whole process of how we got there because that's a whole separate conversation
0: it is yeah but, <laughs> I
1: <will> say, <laughs> but I will say just giving yourself time is one of the things that you can do so just giving being a little bit gracious to yourself and to others Uh, is one of those things that you can do, and and showing up, showing up, you know, uh, (laughs) being like Brady, to be honest with you, be be like Brady, be the pro, you know, do the thing, fully commit yourself to it, you know, don't, don't be halfway in, be all the way in, and, uh, and, don't you know we know what the outcome you want to get and if your efforts if your words you know your daily actions don't align with the you make those adjustments so you get back on course
0: yeah i think that's perfectly said and what you just said reminded me of something um igor's sister who i had on uh one of my first few episodes of the podcast said was everyone likes it seems like society today is very based on instant gratification and So basically when we were were talking about that, that it seems like everyone wants things now when, like you said, you need to just take your time. And even a phrase I think you're very familiar with is trust the process. Trust what, trust the work you're putting in, trust what you're doing. And more often than not, you're going to have a good outcome, especially if you're putting in that work.
1: Yeah, I was looking at something. I don't know if it was like a human podcast or something like that. And basically, the, I think that we're talking about in this world, the world that we live in now, there are like a multitude of, of things, right? You can research anything to prove your point, right? You know, anything, right? There's tons of research is done. And, and it's, so it's like whatever perspective you have. So some of it is like, yes, trusting the process, but then there's, some of it is, is like kind of like blocking things out as well. Right, you gotta you gotta know like kind of like where you want to be. I think that's why it's always important to have like a good team, and so you don't let certain things get close to you and affect your mental state and affect your your perception of things. And then so you can have a little bit clearer focus because you don't think about the five trillion gazillion things that are happening all at the same time. You get to put all your effort in you know those few things, and then you can be great at those few things of what's going to help you uh, get to your uh, You you go.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing at least that was taught to me, at least from my father was, and this is, this is what I'm going to say to everyone at home is worry about the things you directly control. So like what you were saying was all these outside noises, like these people chirping on social media, all these things that are, that you can't control, like, you know, what your teammates think about you, what your coach thinks about you, any of these things, you shouldn't worry about that. You should worry about what you put in your body, how much you sleep, what your attitude is, and especially what your work ethic is, because you'll know it doesn't matter if someone is, you know, they're a first-line player or they're a fourth-line player. They have it in themselves to have a strong work ethic. You don't need any skill to have a strong work ethic.
1: Correct, correct. And I I say the same thing, but I say it in my own words, which is control the controllables. Uh, But it's the same sentiment of, you know, not necessarily worrying about You know, everything else is happening outside of you, Uh, and uh, that goes with I think partly like knowing who you are and knowing what you want. You know, I think there's certain things that help with that, right? Having, like I said, a good team, meaning like a good family base, a good, good coaches that that are able to impart, you know, wisdom through training or through like other consulting, Um, and all those things help with like exactly what you said, controlling the controllables.
0: Absolutely. So another question I had for you was, when did you make the transition um, to be a trainer? And how did you obviously get involved with training hockey players, even though you came from a football background?
1: Yeah, sure. So I uh, after like my football career, uh, when I knew it was over, I knew that I was going to continue to be in the sports world. And so uh, after college, I uh, started working at a sports performance facility uh, here in the L.A. area. We worked with uh, a lot of NFL combine players at times, prepping guys for the combine and getting ready for the league. Uh, after doing that for a number of years, I worked also At a couple other large uh, fitness chains, kind of was always involved in both, like the sports side and the fitness side. At a certain point, uh, I got involved with the uh, large company. Uh, You might have heard when you talked about them earlier Nike, and I Mm -hmm. was doing work with them uh, all over the nation and even went overseas for them for projects. And uh, so at a certain point, uh, when I was doing a little bit less like, hands-on, sports-specific work, uh, I knew I wanted to get back into it, uh, and just an opportunity provided itself with uh, with hockey uh, by way of the LA Junior Kings, and so I uh, made a plan, uh, it was, like, a three- to five-year plan uh, to basically, you know, work with some younger guys, develop them, and then uh, some pros and um, some kind of older guys would, would come, and that's exactly what happened, and throughout those years, it's been a really fun, really fun time in the hockey world. Uh, you know, it comes with these challenges. A lot of challenges are communication, because like you know, I know football. <laughs> we can talk football all day, but with hockey, it took me a while to like. I'll be real with you, as a non, as a person, a group in the Wayne Gretzky era, but still mm-hmm. never was a hockey guy like that. It was hard for me to watch hockey on TV. It was. It wasn't until I went to a certain number of games at Staples um, and saw the Kings play that I was like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. It was kind of like Will Ferrell movies for me. It was like I watched yeah. it the first time, I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. so but once I was in I was in it, once I got it, I really started to get it. And so I just I just know as far as like my role and my, uh, you know, you know, to give to the guys that I work with or to the sport, um, and I just I stay within within my lane. And then honestly, just expand even more. I think that I started to realize that a coach, as a person, you know, like like trust process, but also being in love with process and like uh, love again, in love with like having new. Experiences. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just, I definitely feel very grateful to be uh, in this, in this hockey world, to be the people that accept me, giving opportunities and showing my work and having my guys do great things, getting drafted and guys in the league doing well and showing out and, you know, and that's a, uh, it's a, it's a special thing to, to be an outsider, to be accepted uh, into a different world and uh, people appreciate. appreciating
0: you know. that. Yeah, of course. Um, I think that's a pretty cool story to obviously transition to one from one sport to another. And I do understand what you're talking about with, obviously, you said you watched it on TV at first. And you're like, eh, I don't know. That's a lot of things that people who aren't really in that hockey world originally say is that they don't really like watching it on TV. But what I will say is like you experience when you will watch a game in person, it's totally different. It's fast. The big thing, too, is you see how large some of these guys are. You're like, wow, these guys yeah. are massive. And the pace of play is really good. And, yeah, I just think it's it's really good that people can go out and experience it. And especially, um, I think, hopefully this coming year, that people can go to the Staples Center or whatever NHL yeah. arenas are nearby you and go watch a game because I think you should because the product on the ice yeah, is very sure. good. Yeah,
1: thank you. Yeah, for anybody watching this, I would put playoff hockey up against any other major sport, and I would say that it might be top, top three. I'll put it in top three, top three. Uh, I mean, I love the Super Bowl. I love oh, it's awesome. Like mm-hmm. uh, the NFL postseason, I love it. Uh, but for me, even though I grew up playing baseball, I'm putting hockey over uh over October. I'm I'm putting it above the race for the pennant. And I'm, I'm doing that because I just think it's it's so exciting. I think we saw that, especially like in the past couple of years, man. The gameplay and the speed on the ice has been so fast. The guys have been so smart and so intelligent. So it's for me, I just love to see like good play for any sport, you know, and uh, you know, and so it just makes it, makes you really appreciate it uh, when when it's played at such a high level.
0: For sure. And speaking of NHL guys, you've actually had the chance to train. I, I know, I don't know about this summer, but last summer you trained uh, Tyler Toffoli who yeah. plays for Montreal. How, how did that opportunity come about? And uh, what was it like training a, a guy like Toff?
1: Yeah. Uh, so the opportunity came about, honestly, I think that uh, COVID helped with it. Um, and cause guys still needed to train, you know, it's like, it's one of those things that we we all stayed as safe as possible. And I'm thankful that no one was sick and that, you know, that all of our energy was really put into focusing on like the performance aspect. And, uh, but I think uh, it was, well, you know, it was kind of, you do good work and people hear through the grapevine about, you know, what you're doing and, you know, and, you know talk to you. And I, so, I mean, Toph uh, t- 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 and I sat down and, you know, talked about creating a plan for him, and talked about you know what what training the right way is, and and how I could help him get to that. I think that you know it was a couple of things of him needing to you know find a coach, he had a spot who was ready to go, and then also I think he uh, he just liked what he heard, and you know, and what he heard about me, and maybe meeting me, um, and then so we got into it, and we started training, and and you know by the end of that time period when uh before he was going into the uh the playoffs man he was he was ready to go he showed up all the way ready I think everybody was very impressed on uh his ready state and I think that just speaks to Toph and just he's such the uh he's just such a, such a pro uh he's just really pro and just knows kind of really the game very well he's such a high IQ and nice and we can see that in his gameplay and uh, and how he showed up, especially this last year. She, I mean, mm-hmm. man, boy was doing something special. Um, and so, man, it was really a pleasure uh, working with Toph and uh, you know, being a part of, uh, being a part of his journeys, journey his training journey, his journey, his trend journey, his journey in ice.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, right, Pen? You actually got to go see Toph play live in Vegas. How? How did? That, which game was that? And. How, how do you think you did out there? Because I know you also went with uh, Brendan and Pat, and I think maybe Finker, too. Man, I'm going to
1: correct you, because I, I wanted to go, but circumstances didn't make it, so I was able to go. But I did get to see it on TV, and it was still a special thing, watching uh, watching our guy Toph show up and and, and do his thing.
0: Uh, and, uh, yeah, man.
1: <laughs> I wanted to go. Thanks for bringing it up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you'll get to, you'll get to go next time. And I guess even funnier with um, speaking of Vegas with Brendan was, so I had Jack, uh, Jack Blake on two episodes ago, and he was talking about how I think Brendan was like, Oh yeah, I'll fly you guys out for the for a draft party. Cause it was going to be in Montreal. Yeah. And I was, t- I was telling Jack, I'm like, wow. I'm like, what a city to have the draft in Montreal. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I feel like, I think if anyone was also going to go to the draft party, I mean, you would have definitely had to been there. I mean, it would have, you would definitely add to the, to the fun that, I mean, definitely would have been a good time. <laughs> yeah, once again, I was
1: very salty because it, yeah. <laughs> it couldn't happen, <laughs> no, obviously, because COVID. And, but, man, when I tell you, it was a year and a half. I was looking forward to going out there for this draft party. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was about to get tailored suits made. I was, that was the whole thing, <laughs> you know, the whole thing. And, uh, unfortunately, COVID happened, and it, you know, it changed the course of that. And so, but still, like I said earlier, uh, had that not happened, I, I wouldn't have been able to have the same experience that we had uh in Michigan at the big house celebrating B on uh being drafted uh 29th overall.
0: Absolutely. And so there's one thing that I think um I'm at least really dying to know, and hopefully everyone else. So <laughs> big thing when you come into uh the as it's called the lab, um yeah. Ripen Fitness. Um basically whenever uh the phrase about when you're putting in work and you're just grinding is lab talk. And it's it's a big thing that anyone who's familiar with Ripe pen knows about lab talk. How did that originate? And and were you surprised that it's kind of taken on the life of its own? Because it's big time, let's be real.
1: (laughs) But yeah, You know, Lab Talk just kind of took on a life of its own. I think when I first uh, got my facility and I thought about what I wanted to name it, uh, I just it just kind of came to me. As far as like, you know, you, you know, you put out there what you want, and I knew that I wanted this to be a place to where. We were able to serve uh, you know, all the people that I've been serving throughout the years as far as the, the main two categories and how I break it down now. So the everyday athletes and the professional athletes. Right? And so with that, I think you need to, at least the way I saw it, you need to have the environment and the equipment to to be able to serve them best. And so here I'm able to have uh, a lot of things that you might find in you know, like a traditional lab, even though this isn't a, uh, traditional uh, lab that you might find at a, uh, you know, a facility, whether it be a un- university or a separate lab, uh, attached to uh, a large brand out there that's been doing a lot of research and, and that we all use as far as like uh, training and training parameters, et cetera, et cetera. But enough scientific talk. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: that wasn't so scientific, but enough of that talk. So you want to you understand where lab talk, came about yeah who yeah where did
0: it come from yeah
1: so lab talk is just kind of like it's always something we've done it's always something we've done as far as just just you know talking about everything you know talking about this and that or just putting up numbers you know just certain things i say certain isms and it was the man himself brendan brisson one day that came up with the term lab talk because this is called the ripen performance lab Yep. and we were actually in here doing our thing, and I think one day he was like, "That's laptop," <laughs> and then the laptop just kind of actually he I don't even think he was in here yet. Yeah, I think he was still in Michigan, and uh, one day he was like, "Yeah, that's laptop," and then it just uh, took on a life of its own. <laughs> and you know, there's different ways that we that we talk about it now. You know, it's like, oh, good, good lab talking with you. You know. And, uh, just, or you do something and, or something said or numbers are put up and boom, it's bones laptop, you know?
0: Yeah. I think, it, I think honestly, like the life that it's taken on its own, is fantastic. I mean, it, it's so universal. And I think whenever anyone hears about your, uh, your, your lab or, and anyone who trains at Ripe and fitness, everyone knows, uh, everyone's lab talk and everyone knows lab talk. It's almost, it's almost like an inside joke at that point, which I think it's, I think that's some of the best inside jokes when it's just created organically like Brendan did. And, yeah. and yeah, it's funny. Like even I'll even admit it. Like I, like I, I met Brendan a while ago, like, I think I was like 11 or so, but I didn't meet, see him again until I was out there this summer. And I, like following him on Instagram, I, I would see him training with you and I would see lab talk. So I was like, Hmm, I'm like, I wonder what that means, but no, I, I think I'm happy to share it with the listeners and share and actually get to experience it. Um, and how did you also get to uh, end up getting your facility that you call home, which is now obviously the right Pen Performance Lab?
1: Yeah, so uh, it was a long journey, it's a long process uh, throughout the. I've actually been looking for about six years, six and a half years. Uh, I think on that journey, it's taken many different twists and turns and many different iterations where I thought I was going to bring a couple partners into it. I thought I was going to partner with a couple large brands. Uh, so many twists and turns and then, you know, COVID hit and then I was faced uh, with a dilemma of, you know, where I just needed a, a place of my own at the time. Uh, I think with Because I've been in so many different like worlds within training, sports performance, et cetera, et cetera. uh, I, you know, I utilize a lot of different tools in order to, to train. And but a lot of people who aren't used to certain things, such as Olympic lifting and weights, banging or a lot of testosterone in the gym, laugh talking, they're not used oh, to yeah. it. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. And so just one of those things that, you know, I was like, well, I need to really put the gas, uh, you know, pedal to the metal and really apply the pressure to find the facility. And so during uh, COVID, I was like, you know what? I know something's going to become available. So I reached out to my broker. I was like, hey, we got to make that move right now. Let's make it happen. And when I reached out to him and kind of put that, like I said, applied the pressure, uh, we found something. It was like maybe a couple weeks after that, came in, saw the spot, boom, done, signed a dotted line next week. And it was one-year anniversary.
0: Uh, oh, there you go. September.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've I mean, uh, been getting after it and making things happen and doing a lot of lab talking and uh, there a lot you go. more to
0: count. <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah. I, I think if there was any time, honestly, to get your own space and get involved in that, I would say 2020 was the time, especially as you know, the land and the property, like it, the payments, it was a lot less. The, it, the value went down a little bit because not everyone was obviously buying. Not everyone was as invested as um, invested in the market. So I think the, for you, the iron was, you struck when the iron was hot and I would say it's paid dividends.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, it definitely paid dividends uh, in a lot of ways as far as like being ahead of a curve and honestly creating uh, your own, which I think a lot of people did during 2020. They, they doubled down on themselves. Uh, I will say, though, that I just happen to be in one of those cities in the nation and also going to work. I don't think property values went down. I don't think commercial real estate went down. I think it held steady or it might at least slightly have gone up on the, uh, the commercial side uh because i know how much the landlord was charging before i came in here and he's charging me more uh <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know what's on paper for my yeah. lease for my lease i know what the lease was before so uh Too i bad. was very fortunate <laughs> it was just more about availability because because there's more mm-hmm. businesses that were available because people had you know vacated and whatnot and so yeah. i think that was the one thing for me that that it was like timing striking while it was hot kind
0: of yeah that's fair uh and then pivoting gears real quick uh so for everyone at home so when i was uh obviously visiting in la this summer i gave my boy igor i gave him a ride to to ride pen and so i come i come in the gym uh you know igor's lab talking think brendan was lab talking i <laughs> yeah. see ride wearing a clippers hat and i'm thinking i'm like what yes, is, I'm like, what is he wearing? So we started talking about it. So, right, Ben, I got to let the people know how'd you become a Clippers fan, especially being right. being an LA guy?
1: It's a long story. I'm going to try to shorten it up. Uh, so, I'm an LA guy through and through. So, I support just about all LA teams. Uh, and uh, so, but when I was younger, when I was younger, the biggest name in the world, not even just in sports, but one of the biggest names in the world was mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. And I was a big Michael Jordan fan, uh, somewhat so that I had Chicago Bulls trash cans and bed sheets and all that kind of stuff in my bed in my room growing up. <clears throat> so when I was younger, I wasn't even a Lakers fan because I was a Jordan fan. And then when I started to get you know older, when Jordan wasn't playing anymore, you know, he went to the Wizards and all the thing, and uh, I still never became a Lakers fan because by that time like magic had already gone on and he wasn't in the NBA anymore. And so I was just without a team for a long time. And then so when I was really young, uh there was this LA Clippers player, Stanley Roberts, that came to like our elementary school because my friend that was at the school, her mom was a friend of his. And so he came there and he talked to us. And I was like, I'm not about to be a Clippers fan. <laughs> Have you guys been to your games? It was terrible. (laughs) It was not sexy at all. They used to literally give away tickets to go to Clippers games. Oh, boy. They used to have, like, a lot of, like, young kids there because they used to, like, try to get, like, elementary schools, middle schools, just trying to get people in the stands. It was – at the sports arena, it was – all the lights were up. It was just not very sexy. But the Lakers, it was sexy. The lights were down. Lakers girls, Dr. Buss did a really good job of – being innovative there and creating, you know, the Lakers Showtime and the type of players got the money and did all the things. And the, the Clippers had none of that. And, but it was in the year 2000, things changed. And the big thing that changed was the injury around the team. You had Darius Miles, you had Corey McGuigalty, you had Quentin Richardson, you had brand, You had so many really, really good, fun young guys that were there, like Lamar Odom, that, you know they were so good and they were so electrifying to watch. Since so when we start calling it Live City, uh, you know, and and around that time, I just really enjoyed watching so much, so much. So I was like, wow, somehow we got to put money together to get season tickets. I don't think that happened, but, <laughs> 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 but but I really wanted to. I really wanted to go. And so in two thousand two, I said, I was like, all right, I really, I really like watching the clips. I've been to a couple games. And uh, I was like, all right, you know, you're on my team now. And so I've been riding with the Clips. It's just been me and Billy Crystal <laughs> <laughs> riding, riding with the Clips for that long. And uh, it's been a lot of disappointment. It's been a lot of fun times watching, you know, the Blake Griffins and the uh, DeAndre Jordans and the CPs. But then there's been a lot of heartbreak with the Blake Griffins, DeAndre Jordans and the CPs. But that's just the way the ball bounces and uh i think that do i think that the Clips came with a championship yes do i think it'd be next year no do i think it'd be the year after that probably not uh will it happen with the next decade oh i hope so because you know <laughs> geez, that's a lot of it's a lot of losing if you if you don't uh but either way i'm not a i'm not a person that uh kind of backs out i'll, I'll just stick with them because i mean red's my favorite color and uh mm-hmm. I like blue
0: too. So <laughs> no, no, that's fair. So I guess my first uh, point or question is: so did so did you not become a Laker a Lakers fan? Or at least I'm curious because Kobe obviously what he he said this in the last dance. He's like, what you get from me is what you got from MJ. So did you not um, in essence follow Kobe or like MJ 2.0? Or did you just, especially since the Clippers were their own thing? You wanted to be a little oh, original. Kobe was
1: a Michael Jordan fan too. It's like no, I'm, not yeah. I'm a Jordan fan.
0: Not a Kobe like, fan.
1: Well, it's not that I don't appreciate Kobe and what he mm. did for the game. And I even said that before it was in timely passing. The rest in peace. But like mm. I was a Jordan fan. Kobe was a Jordan fan. LeBron was a Jordan fan. Like, no, like I'm a Jordan fan. I'm a Jordan fan. Yeah. I'm a Jordan <laughs> fan. But I do appreciate LeBron's game. And I did definitely did appreciate Kobe's game. Uh I got to see him the last season uh when he was with the Lakers. And uh yeah, man, it was uh He's just a, a was an electrifying player, and so is LeBron. So, like, for me now, if you talk about like the goat debate, like, I don't necessarily want to talk about them being greater than Jordan because, like, obviously, I'm a, there's a bias for me. But mm-hmm. if we're talking about like their greatness, like, yes, those are great players and like the greatest of their heirs. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And then, I the second, uh, the second part of the question is. How do you think Steve Ballmer's done as the owner since taking over the Clippers? And do you honestly think Kawhi can get it done with the Clippers? Steve Ballmer, he's been putting up the money. And so, yes,
1: I like Steve Ballmer. Uh, there's no controversy. He just wants to see the guys win. I think one of the best things that Steve Ballmer did get the logo. On. So, Jerry West, uh, that was one of the best organizational decisions he could have done over drafting any player or getting a, any player in free agency. People come, people can say like, oh, they're coming for LA's destination city. They're coming for Jerry West. Now they come from Ty Lue. They're coming for, for the front office and for the great coaching staff and what these guys can do for them and what their track record has shown that they can do and what they have done. Uh, do I think Kawhi can get it done? Uh, maybe quietly. that was a joke right there. Yep. I, uh, <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope so, man. I really do hope so. Uh either way, you'll never see the pressure on Kawhi's face. Uh and I I personally thought that last year was really gonna be like the year that the squad needed to get it done because this year, you know, you got Clay coming back. You got, you know, they trying to reemerge, you know, as the team on the West Coast. You got you got LeBron and his play like. K okay, created squad like this is crazy you know like mm-hmm. I everybody's like in their mid thirties and older like still this is wild you got like five future Hall of Famers on the same team there's like how do you even how do you even beat that like how do you even compete with that and so you got all these other teams like things you know they love the young guys. I mean like wow
0: the honestly the past two years
1: the time mm-hmm. for and 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 get a win uh or it's just gonna be way harder to smoke before
0: yeah it really will be um i mean and, oh i was gonna say um can you hear me still i don't know again what happened uh internet wise um here one sec can you uh Rai can you hear me? Yo, Rai are you there? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, I don't know what happened. Okay, you're, you're there. Um, yeah, so for me, I think um, another thing we didn't even rec- uh, bring up with uh, obviously this upcoming NBA season, which I'm personally excited for, especially with all the moves that were made, is uh, your former Cl- uh, star Clipper, uh, also former Blake of the Year winner, Blake Griffin. Um, and the Brooklyn Nets I mean it just seems like everyone's picking Lakers and Lakers and Nets and I was going to say do you feel a little disrespected in that especially that they're counting your, your clips out especially it would be funny if uh, Blake were to play his former team in the finals uh
1: do I feel disrespected that the clips are being disrespected no have you watched the clips over the last two decades like what can you say like Haven't won a champion, we haven't won a championship, so what do you want to say? I mean, it's just being real. It's like you you know, you show up, you show up, and people give you respect, give you respect. And until you do so, then you're insignificant, you're not a factor right? You can look Mm -hmm. at Toronto, you can look at all the teams that finally won and finally got the monkey up their back.
0: And then people are like,
1: All right, you finally got your one win, welcome to the conversation. Until the clip do so.
0: It's gonna be what it is, you know. Yeah, exactly. the The thing for me that I guess why for everyone at home why I was so surprised seeing Ryan wear a Clippers hat. Me growing up in L.A. Uh, as I did, I didn't think Clipper fans existed. I'm gonna be real. I'm like, who's a fan of the Clippers? Because I never heard of them. It was all Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. Because when I was growing up, it was Kobe's prime, so I never heard of the Lakers. I mean, I mean the Clippers. Yeah. Even though I did know Blake Griffin and Chris Paul were and DeAndre Jordan were, they were able to hold their own and they were good. So. I never obviously heard those issues and uh, those criticisms. And the funny thing with Toronto, you bringing it up, don't you think it's really funny that the city of Toronto has won a championship more recently in basketball than they have in hockey?
1: Ooh, ooh! Uh, you can make some people mad with that one, man. I mean, uh, I, <laughs> I mean, I am, but
0: no, I am. But to be honest, it's, it's just how it is. Like, I mean, they won in twenty nineteen, and the Leafs. I mean. Longest drought. I mean, I'm sorry, sorry to leave fans, but it's just how it is. I think, I think it's
1: it's a bunch of things. Like when I look at the NBA and basketball's development in Canada, Canada, man, there's I mean, look if you look at the past, like what, like three drafts, there's been a lot of Canadians that RJ Barrett. So there's been just so much talent that's been coming out of Canada and a lot of at a high clip, and guys are really developing well. So I think that whatever they're doing out there, they're doing a great job. I think that also, like in America, like in that same breath, what America has been doing as far as like you so look at the last three drafts, like I mean, how many Americans have been getting drafted very high, like you know mm-hmm. first, you know first rounders, and 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 you know American teams have been doing well for a bunch of reasons, right? So whether whether they be um, like destination cities uh, or just a warmer climate city, like I, I'd be rude if you told me ten years ago Tampa Bay was going to win a Stanley Cup? I'd be like, what? Tampa Bay? I'm like, nah, bro. But like, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's pretty appealing now, obviously the winning, but appealing to go down to a warmer climate and live in a warmer climate throughout the year, as opposed to being in terrible winter weather. Uh, We can, you know, fantasize winter weather all we want with, you know, holiday stuff or whatever, but it's not fun.
0: Nope. Shoveling
1: all the snow out your driveway or off your car just to make it to work, you know, for the day. Mm. So I think there's a bunch of different factors that goes into that, and it's just like divisionally, there's just some, it's, you know, it's it's really tough, you know, if you look at like the Canadian teams and divisions are in, there's just some really really good teams there uh, that they have to play against in uh, in the states, and what I think it makes it harder for those teams to. Uh, to, to make it to the, uh, the finals and to really emerge as like a top seat. Um, and the other thing is just year in and year out, man, it's tough. It's, it's, it's just really tough and maybe, maybe because, you know, it's one of the original teams, like they feel a lot of pressure there. Maybe cause fans want it, fans want it really bad. So fans put a lot of pressure on the players, understandably so, but maybe it's, you know, it could be pressure. The guys feel could be, you know, all the things. That, that you don't see it's all the unsaid stuff too that, that factors in and you know sometimes it just takes that one guy it takes that one guy I'm not saying that Austin isn't that guy I think he's a special guy a special player I think he's a great face of the uh, the NHL uh I just I'm not putting him down at all obviously but I'm just saying like sometimes it just takes like one guy to bring another guy there and then like oh now they got like a, a big three right like the NBA mm-hmm. you know they got more than just. That one guy who's just a face, you know, they got multiple guys, you know, winning and uh, and and putting up putting up numbers on the board, you know. You know, if you look mm-hmm. at Tampa Bay, didn't they? They had like the top two out of the scores in the NHL,
0: yeah. They Tampa, yeah, they're the loaded, there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're loaded. Yeah, Tampa's they just got great depth all around,
1: so there's a bunch of things. So, when you talk about depth, because that's, that's an important word, and so we know if we're talking about depth and we're talking about like drafting uh we're talking about free agency but then we're still talking about contracts so the front office has done a really good job right Mm -hmm. uh in negotiating and getting the right guys there evaluating talent developing skill and talent keeping guys injuries free making sure you guys are happy and then paying them and then honestly when you're winning people will sit back a little bit like yo we just won two cups like hey can we get three like all right Mm -hmm. maybe Maybe I'm gonna hold off my my negotiation. You know, maybe I'm you know, because that's what guys are doing. You you can look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers guys. Those guys, they took a pay cut so they can keep the band together, right? Because they're like, yo, let's let's run it back. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So
0: yeah, yeah, and I guess the one thing I want to get out of the way is before any of these people come at us uh, in the comments or wherever, being like Tampa Bay Lightning, 18 million over the cap. So first off, 10 million of that money is from guys that aren't even playing anymore, like anders nielsen the goalie i think like gabrick's money might even be in there and he hasn't played in like four four or five years so first let's get that out of the way second with toronto and not to make this like leafs lunch or you know leafs talk too much but <laughs> yeah but yeah like i think the thing i'm also saying that is because this year was set up most of all that like how the playoffs were set up they had at least they were gonna had at least a good shot of getting into the, fi- the final dance the final four and yeah. It was set up that way. I mean, they won the division. They played well, and then they even had a three-one lead. And then you see what happens with them collapsing, and it's it's unfortunate. So basically, that's part of the reason with the failure is that it was set up for them to win this year, and they messed it up. Just how it is.
1: I mean, I saw that with the Clippers, right? When the Clippers Mm -hmm. had that three-to-one lead against the Nuggets, yeah, and they and they lost that, you know, and that part of that is due to. I say it's a lot of factors, so I can't just blame one thing, right? So in in locker room with the team, it's like leadership. So you have you have enough guys that have actually been there? Uh, so it's not just being a veteran in the league. you have enough guys that have been to that that part of the postseason, uh, within you know, or that late in the playoffs, uh, or played in you know, a Stanley Cup final? You know, it's like all those things. Uh, you know, those. I think those are two big factors that factor into you know, what happens and how there can be such a big fallout and, uh, uh, in the team, especially when the team's up. And then sometimes, like, guys just look too far in the future, right? I think that's more of a symbolism for for life. You can't look too, too far ahead, you know? You got to be in the present still and make, make decisions in the present that you know are going to bode go well for you down the line in the future.
0: So a Clippers question I have for you. Uh, how do you feel about all the Paul George slander, especially the Pandemic P nickname?
1: <laughs> I, man, I PG and me's the Cali guy. So I already told you, if anybody's a mm. Cali guy in Hawaii, you're not going to really hear me say a bad thing about him. So, but PG's bread for this, like, yeah, I mean, if you really think about all the stuff, like, you know, back in the day when they were playing in high school and everything, like, there was t- trolls have always been in existence. And so, like, calling him Pandemic P or whatever nicknames people want to come up with. I mean, I don't really think that it gets him too much, but it's just more of, like, I think he put the pressure himself. It's like, all right, now I got to show up because that's what we want. We just want Paul George to show up and show up and lead the team to NBA championship. That's that's all we want. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to say whatever they're going to say, and they can. They can do whatever they want. But once he finally wins, what can they say? Like, people were talking about Chris Paul forever and saying that Chris Paul might have been – the problem, you know, in the locker room and, you know, he's tough on guys and, you know, it's a leadership issue, but CP showed that this year, like, no, it's not. His, his mm-hmm. leadership issue was the thing that helped them get to where they were. And yeah. so even though he didn't win, I think that we, people have to refer to Chris Paul in a different way and in, in less of a disrespectful tone uh, that, that CP has uh, been referred to uh, uh, or dealt with with analysts and whatnot throughout the years.
0: Yeah, and even I think the same thing is said with Giannis because, and Giannis has only been in the league, um, he's been in the league since 2014. He hasn't been as long as Chris Paul has been in the league. But even with Giannis in the last few years, especially him winning MVPs, people that had slander toward him saying, Giannis is in clutch, Giannis needs to be carried. And what amazed me personally in the finals was, that game, they clinched it where he missed, I think, all but one or two free throws in the game. And he basically stared the haters in the face and said, Look at me now. Like, as that one song goes, like, Look yeah. at me now. Like, I just, like, he just proved everyone wrong. And, and I thought, th- I thought that was great. So, yeah, similar issue where he, people were saying, He's not clutch. He needs someone else. He needs to be carried. Where no, Giannis stepped up and showed up in that big game.
1: Yeah. You know, this is one of those things that people are going to say whatever they're going to say because <clears throat> at the end of the day, you know, I like to remind guys like, hey, uh, you were signing up to be an entertainer. And so these people want to be entertained. And so mm-hmm. when, you know, everyone does it, right? If I go to a movie, if I don't like a movie, I'm like, ooh, it wasn't as good. Like, oh, you got me again, Will Ferrell. I got to go see another three more times. to really good. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. That, you know, you put your art out there, you know, your Basquiat, you're whoever else, you put your art there to be judged. And if people don't like it, then they don't like it, you know. And, but that's what you're doing, right? You're there to be you know judge because people are there to be entertained and so i think Mm -hmm. as an athlete you just categorize and say like all right like i'm just gonna look internally like what am i doing wrong you know i'm gonna look at the stats when i check the film like how can i be better how can i be the best and increase my intelligence my my sport iq for whatever Mm -hmm. my specific sport is and so that i can you know i mean figure it out so that i can get you know myself and my team past the hump so i can uh really cement my legacy and you know i think it, it helps when you like take distractions away and i think that you'll see a lot of the guys uh, and women uh female athletes mm-hmm. as well at the top you'll find a, uh, a a good support system uh so whether it be the uh the family that they create with their significant other or the immediate family that they're born into or their extended family or their, their friends and you know the relationship with their agents You'll see a really, really, really good unit there, a really good support system uh, to where they don't they don't have to worry about that stuff. They know that at home is taken care of. They're solid. They're good to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's well said. I think everyone can use a support system. And even moving along a little game I wanted to play with you for is um, start bench and cut. So I'm going to give you. A, I'm going to since you're a trainer, I have a few workouts and especially specifics about that workout that. We're going to use and everyone at home can play along especially if you for the people at home it's which one you prefer to do so a functional exercise that you have a lot of your athletes do is squat so for start bench cut we're going to go goblet squat front squat yeah. and back squat
1: ooh. ooh, ooh! oh that's tough so the reason why i'll go ooh. all right so i'll go i'll go start on the uh squat because I which just one goblet
0: it. goblet back or front back back squat uh, so, okay yeah
1: thought on the back squat uh because of like uh loading we can load we can work on a lot of different things uh with a barbell back squat right you, you can work on different parts of uh, force velocity curve with that barbell back squat uh front squat i'll cut it only because the goblet squat, I think, is a very functional. So I'll bench it, and I love the goblet squat, so I'll bench it, but I still think that the uh, back squat is a little more superior for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, I really do like front squats, but for a lot of people, just uh, their lacking in uh, mobility or their tightness within certain areas uh, creates uh, an inability for them to be and right right correct positions so that it can properly hold the bar without having any pain or creating other other issues
0: that's yeah that's good i would have to agree with you mainly with back squat so i can obviously lift i think i can lift i know i can lift a lot more back squat versus front squat and i feel like back squat's a little more natural even if you have like the safety bars which i think are a big help and then goblet squat too like goblet squat's very functional it's not a very cumbersome position you hold the goblet up so yeah i would have to cut uh uh, front squat as well. Next, we got the deadlifts. We got trap bar, conventional, and then sumo.
1: So trap bar is king there. So that's starting right there. Uh, it's just easier to really teach somebody how to deadlift with the trap bar positionally. It makes a lot of sense to them. Uh, it's almost like a hybrid because you can get them in a little bit more of a, like a squat focused position or more of a traditional or a hinge um, uh, hip focused position uh ooh, now this is the one that comes into uh it's kind of like the in-between and so the way that i might talk about being in a sumo position where they're not out too wide and their feet aren't too externally rotated they're just slightly wider but their hands are more are inside of their legs i think that it's a far easier position to teach right so that we can actually load and so their body can be in a more uh correct position as opposed to a traditional like conventional barbell deadlift uh moving around the barbell from a conventional deadlift stance there's a lot of slight nuances that they go there and so a lot of people can mess it up uh mess it up by way of pulling it correctly from the floor you'll see that's why a lot of people uh you know that's why they one of the reasons why I have to wear shin guards or or socks, I do believe in keeping the bar close to your body, but I don't believe in necessarily scraping your shins all the way up. Uh, and, you know, it's far more common for people to have, uh, to get out of their neutral spine position in a conventional deadlift as opposed to a slightly wider stance, which we'll categorize for right now a sumo stance, but just know that my sumo stance is super, super wide. No, It's slightly wider feet aren't extreme on the external rotation and hands are inside that uh, inside the knees so that they're not fighting uh, for position and so it also helps someone to be a little bit more in a upright or erect position and so they're able to maintain a better neutral spine as they work throughout that range of motion so trap bar sumo in the way I described and then convention is cut. Quite-
0: yeah, those are all good answers. And anyone who obviously is going to want, wants to add deadlift to their, their routine in the gym, I think that you should listen to what Ry Penn just said, a lot of valuable information. So I'm going to say for me, the same, the only slight change is I'm going to have to bench i from have to cut sumo. And I've just never done sumo deadlift before. I've mainly done a conventional or um, I've never done a conventional or I've, I've done like, like a romanian deadlift but i've never done a sumo deadlift so that's why i'm gonna go with that and then the last one is going to be just a this or that uh for olympic lifts snatch or clean just oh,
1: like clean a- all day clean all day uh because is, is way too technical for a lot of people uh it's overhead so it's far more dangerous if you mm-hmm. don't it's just it's just there's it's a lot of technique that goes into it so you have to weigh out the uh, cost benefits so it's it's better for me to teach someone cleaning um, as opposed to uh, teaching them a snatch. And even before a clean, I might I'll teach a high pull or uh, use a trap bar, trap bar, high pull, something like that.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you on that, especially my experience with cleans. I've found that they're very easy to learn. And especially the, I'm more used to just the bar speed of getting up there on a clean versus the snatch, which you said, I'm not really a big fan of doing anything overhead because of, how cumbersome it is and especially puts your shoulder in a bad spot when it's above your head. And I, I don't really mess with overhead stuff. So yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. Um, another quick story. It's, I it's to, easier I
1: for your shoulder to be out of position. If you don't know positionally how to be, if you weren't yeah. taught, there's a lot of, there's a small like variances that can happen in the, the catch of the snatch that can create issues if you already have preexisting issues.
0: Yes. So and- yes, I agree. That and then the other thing about uh, trap bar, going back to that, I agree with is um, during last year, my trainer um, with my team, he he said the reason he loves trap bar also is that it's kind of it's idiot proof, I meaning that you it's really yeah. easy to learn. And you basically just grip it and rip it. Versus all, like you said, sumo, you have to make sure you have the right stance. They're not rotated too far. There's just a lot of, like you said, a lot more nuance with those two versus trap bar, with pretty simple. Pick it, grab it, and pick it up basically exactly yes exactly. so before uh, before i let you go a few things i wanted to bring up was you had um seattle pick maddie benears uh in town what was it like working with uh yeah. a, high, a high-end prospect uh and former team and teammate of brendan's
1: oh man such a great guy maddie's man he's the best uh, i was so happy to see him uh get get that number two uh spot on the uh on the board uh you know and Oh, big things ahead of him uh and of the boys this year uh mish hockey uh let's go uh go blue uh, mm-hmm. but yeah no, i was a great guy hard worker and you know it was one of those things that when <clears throat> especially like if i have the opportunity to work with a high value uh client or high value athlete you know there's a lot that you have to take into consideration like where he's at, you know you know, I asked him. You know, what his trainer uh, back at home like had him in. You know, what phase he was in, what things they were working on to make sure that you're doing the right things. Uh, that he stays on track as far as program. It could be, you know, just kind of off and looking week. It could be, it could be in uh, a different phase. Uh, I just, I just knew at that time he wasn't in a heavy phase or anything like that. So I just wanted to keep it, keep our lay, le- our lifts. Um, uh, a mixture of like basic strength lifts, lifts and then some functional movements uh because he uh he had uh, basically come back from an ankle injury and so he's mm-hmm. taking that consideration and also you know just making sure that I wasn't over coaching and and then um you don't want to like counter coach and what I mean is every coach is a little bit different. Uh some coaches will take over an athlete and say like oh you got to scrap this throw this all away <laughs> you know something another coach has been teaching them for you know 15 10 15 years and so I don't like to do that. You know I like to say like oh here's my you know this might be where your coach was coming from. This is might be this might be what they were thinking. Here's how I, here's how I go about it. And like maybe here's like the difference in between or, you know, you can take, you know, the value from whatever it is I'm saying. And, you know, you can go back to your coach and, you know, so they know that I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying anything and putting down or counter what they're saying, but this is just the way I see. And so there's certain things that I might take away from like a training session uh, with a high value uh, client like that to make sure that it's the best experience for them so that their trainer's happy when they get back home. Uh, the strength coach is training uh, happy when they get back home and so that they're uh, you know feeling the work and you know get it done so, you know continue the laptop talk
0: oh absolutely yeah and I think that was the other good thing was that you were able to show him the lab talk ways and I think that that's valuable for any high value athlete yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I
1: think you had a good time yeah. to lap
0: absolutely and then also um you met uh, our boy you obviously train our boy Igor what was it like meeting him for the first time um and getting to know him, because I've known him for a few years, and he's he's a very good person to know.
1: Yeah, Igor, man, just swagged out. He came in with the most <laughs> swaggiest track suit. I can't even remember. I knew I knew for sure it was Nike, because uh, <laughs> I'm a Nike <laughs> guy. And so he came in. I was like, man, look at this guy. I was like, what's up, my boy? <laughs> <laughs> it was right away. I was like, man, what's good? Like, you know, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, – You know, everybody can research and find out about anybody, and so. But uh prior to Igor coming in, I really didn't know too much, much, believe it or not, about Igor. I just wanted to meet the man himself, talk to him, get the vibe. We sat down, Mm -hmm. set goals, told him what I could do for him, and then you know how I like to train, how I like to go about it, how much time we had together. So we created a plan for him to make sure that we his certain things at certain phases, and uh, so he was going to be at his best for wherever he was going to be at. Because you know, in a free agency year, uh, you don't necessarily know. But I think the most free agents uh, work extra hard because they want to make sure that wherever they go, that they're ready for whatever comes at them. And so, uh, in in that process of ego and I working together, it was just even more rapport that was built, even more trust was built. And then when he started to see and feel the things that I told him that he was going to see and feel, then there was even more trust that was there. And then when others start seeing it, people that know known him for years, it just commenting on certain things, or you see him on the ice or, you know, whatever else it may be, or, in, or with him uh, in the lab, you know, putting up different numbers, more than he had never put up before, you know, things like that, all those things playing to, I think a healthy, you uh, coach or trainer uh and trainee or you know athlete dynamic and uh yeah man so he's a he's a great guy
0: yeah he really is um he was funny enough so he, yeah he was my first podcast guest and yeah I, he's just a lot of fun to talk to too he's he's he's, he's, he's you know he's just a, a high high value person and i think everyone yeah. needs to know someone like that in their life yeah yeah i agree so a few, so two last things. Uh, where can people find you on social media, especially obviously if they want to obviously, you know, take uh, some things away and obviously uh, learn from you and obviously grow? Yeah,
1: so uh, Instagram is Fitness, R Y P N F I T
0: N E S S. Mm, like behind uh, you, like the sign behind you.
1: Yes, sir. Just like the sign behind me. <laughs> people, people, uh, uh,
0: people listening to the audio won't see won't see that. Only the YouTube people will see that. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you always
1: go to WrappingFitness.com dot R Y P N F I T N E S S. Just like the sign.com mm-hmm. I uh, Got Rypn Performance Lab on IG, and then. Uh, on the website, um, you can go to r-tv, RTV, and you'll find uh, even more videos that are going up, um, building out even more videos uh, that will be posted on YouTube. And So, you guys, check out YouTube, subscribe. Hit me up about things that you might want me to talk about, demonstrate. Uh, there'll be even more workouts on there, that are more fitness-based, things are going to be more performance-based, and things that will be even more hockey-specific based workouts and or ideas. Uh, being a football guy to, coming to the hockey world, uh, I have different ideas about how to like I like to say, train and get guys into better hockey positions, or when guys are on the ice, they're better in those skating positions and things they just need to do on ice. And so I'll talk more about why I might do this, not that, that, not this. And so it makes a little more sense on uh, the ripened way. And, uh, you know, we can, you guys can laptop with me.
0: Absolutely. And something I think everyone should go check out is Go to, look up the South Bay Health Magazine. There's an issue where our, our boy Rye Penn was actually on the cover. How was uh, how was that experience being on the cover?
1: Oh, man, it was a great experience. I didn't think that, uh, honestly, I didn't think I was going to be on the cover first. I thought they were just doing, uh, just doing a story on us. And it was going to be in there as, as one of the main stories for that issue. I did not think it was going to be the cover, though. So I was pleasantly surprised there. And then with all the people in the South Bay, my friends and clients and people I've known throughout the years, uh, you know, they had that delivered to their uh, their doorsteps and they saw it all around the community. So that was a, a really fun thing, uh, you know, seeing that and, and being a part of that and having that happen for me. Uh, and yeah, man, it's a great thing. Uh, love the South Bay. South Bay is a great place to be, and great mm-hmm. place to live. So I
0: think it was a special thing. Absolutely. Um, a question I also have is, who would you like to see me interview on the podcast?
1: Ooh, okay. Ooh. Ooh, okay.
0: I'm interested <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> if if he would do it, if he would do it, think. Finker? Yeah.
0: No, I've, I would love to have Finker on. And that reminds me, I think I need, I'm going to need you to do a little full-court press on our boy Brendan. Uh, I asked B when I was out there. I'm like, do you want to come on? He said, yeah. And whenever I text him, it's like he can never commit to a time or a day or whatever, and I want to
1: – Well, wanna... you know, they're, they're extra busy right now. And, yeah. Michigan uh, getting ready for the season. So I think that, uh, you know, it's not that he's trying to, you know, you know, avoid you, but he does have a lot going on. I can tell you that for sure.
0: Yeah, so hopefully yeah. – Hopefully I can get him on soon. I mean, he's—we as we both know he's a hilarious guy, and yeah. we—I I, think—I think it'd be very fun to talk with yeah. him. And and yeah, so Reipen, I can't—I can't thank you enough for coming on. It was—it uh, was good to catch up. It was good to chat.
1: Good time with you too, PK. All
0: right, take care. All right. Huge thanks to Reipen Fitness for hopping on the program. Hope everyone gained a little bit of knowledge and insight with training and becoming more of a functional athlete. If you happen to be in the Los Angeles area and you're an athlete and you're looking to take your game to the next level, aside from my boys at GLP that I've gotten to know, I would hundred percent recommend ripen fitness to get you there because he's very knowledgeable. He knows what he's doing. And I just honestly think you cannot go wrong with training with him, especially to be able to lab talk with him. It's invaluable. Just be a part of the lab, go to the lab, lab talk it up and, and you, and you're gonna, you're gonna do well. And I think that's, that's all that matters. That's it. That's it for today. Everyone, as always, my podcast Instagram is PK's place podcast. My personal Instagram is P Hughes 15. Leave a comment on Apple podcasts, five-star review, go on Spotify, follow, click the bell for notifications. So anytime I post, an episode, you will get notified just like that. So you can instantaneously listen. Uh any feedback that you give me, you know, I welcome. I'm someone who wants to always get better. So I appreciate that. And that's it for this week. I'll see everyone next week. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone.